Welcome to the Green Acres podcast. We are so glad you're here. At Green Acres, we strive to transform lives with the truth of Jesus. This morning, we're, we're going to finish this series out called A Better Way. And it really, I, I think A Better Savior could be the title of this as well, because all that God is doing through this, this idea of the Ten Commandments is pointing to a greater Savior, and His name is Jesus, Right? Like when you read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, there's one name that comes to mind. And what is it? Okay, we're still not clicking on all cylinders yet. And we just tell you the name and you're going to say it after me. Jesus. Jesus. A lot of questions I asked this morning, that's the answer. So I'm giving you the answer up front. <laughs> all of the Bible is about Jesus. Our, our hope, our salvation, our, our rescue, everything, our satisfaction, our joy is found in Christ and Christ alone. You, you know, we, we sing about freedom. We celebrate freedom this weekend. And this idea of the Ten Commandments is freedom. It, it may look like it's, it's more restrictive, but it's actually God's intention for the, the first few was to show us how to walk a relationship with him freely, but also how to, how to be in a relationship with one another for the rest of the six commandments, right? So here's the last one that we're focused on. It's this idea of, of coveting. And I just want to say real quickly, thank you, Pastor Michael, for this one. If you've never planned a sermon on coveting, don't do it. It's hard. It's hard. But one of the things that I learned uh, when planning this is coveting, this idea is one of the only things that really is more Internal. I think it, there's evidence of it externally, but it's not like like the evidence of don't murder. Like we know what that looks like, right? Or don't steal, or, or don't commit adultery. Like we know what those look like. But th- this coveting thing really has more to do with with the heart. It's an issue of the heart. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter twenty. We're in one verse this morning, verse seventeen. And I hope that it's encouraging to you today. And as you're turning there, let me read something to you that, that I read this week. And you may know this guy. His name is David Dykes. This is what he says. He says, the first commandment, have no other gods before me. And the last commandment, make perfect bookends. The first asks, who is your God? The, the last asks, will you be satisfied in him? So here's the question of the morning. This is the the question I want you to answer. I want you to really think about it. We're going to read this passage in just a moment, but this is the question is, are you satisfied? Write it down. Are you satisfied? Stand with me. Let's read the word of God together. Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. This is what the word of God says. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Lord Jesus, your word is living and active. I pray that it would pierce joint and marrow this morning that we would not leave here the same as if we came. That your truth truly does transform lives. And this is our prayer today. Transform our lives with your truth. We pray, pray this in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. amen. Have a seat. This is the 10th and final commandment. It's the last of these 10. And I started thinking about like, like final words. You know, if I said uh, this phrase to you, it is finished. Who said that? Jesus, right? If I said this, uh, 
Make like a tree and get out of here. Who said that? Biff from Back to the Future. What's wrong with you guys? Or what about this one? If I said, hey, watch this. It's the famous last words of a redneck, right? Some of you will get that in a minute. Some of you will realize that you are one. This is God's last word in this Decalogue. And he says, do not covet. This idea of coveting, uh, it means this. It means to long for with great desire. To long for with great desire. So he says, do not covet something that's not yours. He says it this way. Don't fix your desire upon someone else's house. Don't fix your desire upon someone else's spouse. Don't fix your desire upon someone else's job or the amenities of their lives. Don't fix your desire upon anything that doesn't belong to you. This same word you find in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. Listen to this. The woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at and that it was desirable. It's the same Hebrew word for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it and she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Here's the thing, listen, coveting, when we covet something that is not ours, we are acting as if God is insufficient. God is not enough. This is exactly what Adam and Eve did in the garden. They looked at the fruit of the tree. The fruit wasn't the issue. It was they they wanted, they were convinced by a lie that they could see the things that God could see and know the things that God knew if they just took of this fruit. So what they coveted, what they longed for was the knowledge of God, something that was not theirs. And they fell. The first thing I want you to see here of three, it's always three, right? Coveting is an issue of the heart. It's an issue of the heart. So I already told you this, but commands two through eight, you can, you can really kind of see those, but the truth is uh, I can covet and you'll never know. There's something that can happen inside of me that might not be external yet it It reveals that my heart or there's something in my heart that is off. When Eve coveted what wasn't hers, that this this was something that was produced in and of herself. There's a few words that my kids have learned that I don't think I had to teach them much. The first was no, right? It's just kind of like they're born with that, no. The second is this one or these, give me, (laughs) give me. And now that they're older, this is what I hear. Uh, so dad, can I have? And I'm like, no. And then the response is, but so-and-so blah, blah, blah has. And I'm like, well, so-and-so blah, blah, blah doesn't live here. I'm your father. But, but what's, what's happening here is it's only revealing what's in their heart. They're, they're chasing after something, hoping that it will do for them what only God can do. I've been there too. There are things in my life that I look to, that I hope for, that I place my attention upon, that I'm expecting it to do for me what only God can do. It's an issue of the heart. Listen to what Genesis 8, 21 says. The inclination of the heart is evil. Genesis 27, 41. Esau determined in his heart to kill his brother. Deuteronomy 8, 14. Be careful your heart doesn't become proud and forget the Lord. Or another word might be entitled 
and forget the Lord. Jeremiah 17, 9, don't trust your heart. It's deceitful. This idea is an issue of heart. This longing for desiring something that's not mine, it's an issue of the heart. Jesus tells us this. If you work backwards, this is what he says in Matthew 6, 21. You want to find your heart? Look at your treasure. Look at what you treasure most. Let me help you with that a little bit. What, what do you schedule your life for? What do you spend your time thinking about? What's your heart's affections connected to? Well, what, what is your family plan? What do you spend your money on? What is non-negotiable for you? Like, I will not miss this. I, I will not go away from this. Like, this is non-negotiable for me. You follow that and you'll find your heart. You know, on the mission team, one of the things that we've learned to look for when it comes to our church planters or our missionaries is we work real hard to try to identify discontentment. Covening is produced out of discontentment. You realize that, right? That when we are not content with what the Lord has given us, then we desire or we think we deserve more. So, so if, if we've spent time with a missionary or, or a church planter who is not going to be content with their lot in life, whether it's, it's not good pay or whether they don't see hundreds if not thousands come to faith in Christ or, or if they're living in a, in a city that's difficult, if they're not going to be content with the Lord Jesus Christ, if, if he's not enough, then none of that other stuff will be either. And it won't be long and they'll be off the field. They'll be out of the church. Can I tell you that some of the hardest people to talk to on the planet are discontent church members? I thought you might laugh at that one. But maybe it's too close to home. You see, this idea of discontentment, when we live as if we were discontent, we are saying as followers of Jesus that he is not enough. It's an issue of the heart. Sometimes God puts you, God calls you, God places you in difficult places. Can we just say that out loud? And God has not removed his favor from you if things are hard. For some reason in the church, especially the American church, we have gotten off on this idea that we really need to make things as easy as possible. Now, I'm not saying the adverse is true, that we should make things as difficult as possible. But my goodness, people, life is hard. It's the reason for Jesus. Amen? He didn't come to fix it and make it better. He came to rescue you from yourself. But can we find contentment in Christ? Is he enough? Coveting is an issue of the heart. Why does this matter? Here's the second thing, because coveting provokes the anger of God. Coveting provokes the anger of God. Listen, we live in a day where sin and the consequences thereof are not talked about much. We don't want to talk about those difficult things. And we definitely don't want to talk about a God who is judge, a God who is angry at sin. Can I just tell you that, that we are guilty as the church, and not just Green Acres, I just mean in general. But the church, for some reason, just doesn't seem to care about what angers God. 
Have you noticed that? We want to talk about God as love. We want to talk about God as good. And he is those things. But his love does not exist apart from his justice. They're one and the same. And you want that. For some reason, we don't want to talk about that this provokes God to anger. And I also think like this idea of coveting, that some of us, even though we live in the land of plenty, don't think that we struggle with it. Uh, Let me help you with that because I'm a firm believer after this week that I covet things. And I also believe that you do too. Let me just help you a little bit. Coveting, maybe you've said this phrase. If you've ever said, if I only, and then finished the phrase, it's likely that coveting is a part of who you are. That you've coveted at some point. Or, or maybe this, maybe, maybe if you've desired someone else's possessions or their business or their, their home, maybe you want to live in a certain neighborhood. Maybe you wanted their vacation property or their boat or their car or their country club membership. Or maybe you hope that your children attend a certain college because if they don't, they won't be successful. Or maybe you need that tool or that gear. If my kids would only act like that or if my family would be like this or my spouse look like that. If, if, if that, my parents were this way, maybe if I had that technology, maybe if I went on this adventure, Maybe if I worked for another boss or maybe if I had different employees. Maybe I just need more social media followers, more likes. Maybe my status needs to be different. Maybe I need a different status in this community. Maybe my business needs to look and act differently. Maybe I need a smaller church. Maybe I need a bigger church. Maybe I need a better church. The list is endless. And the truth is, I think that if you really think hard enough and allow the Spirit of God to sift and examine your heart, you'll see quickly that there are things in your life that you covet. And I just want you to know, as a warning and in love, that angers God. Coveting angers God. God. This is the point of the Ten Commandments, that God is letting us know, letting the Israelites know, and letting us know the things that are outside of the bounds of our relationship with him. He wants us to be in good standing with him and in a good relationship with him, and he wants us to be in a good relationship with one another. So he gives us these guidelines, these commandments, these expectations. They're not suggestions. Coveting angers God. Consequences will come when you covet. If you're wondering, I'm still just not sure if I covet. Let me explain a few of these things. Here's some signs I think that are, can be connected to coveting or, or discontentment. Have you ever complained? <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> you ever worried? You ever blame somebody else for something? You ever been jealous or critical? Do you live in ongoing disappointment? Do you justify self-care? What is that? Like, I get it. I understand the need for taking a break. And and, I mean, I think we just talked about a commandment not so long about this idea of Sabbath, right? But when you justify your own personal care, like, I just need a day. It's my day. You don't get that. When you give your life to Christ, your days are not yours anymore. 
<laughs> and here's the crazy thing. You should be grateful that they aren't. There's no greater joy than that which is found in Christ Jesus our Lord every single day. When we covet, when we long for something that is not ours, we offend a holy God. Just so you know that I'm not exempt. (laughs) Just a few weeks ago, uh, we were on our way back from Malawi, Africa, and we had to stop over in a country called the Congo. And we were just there just for a few minutes, and we didn't even get off the plane. And uh, we, we were exchanging some of the passengers on the plane, and uh, I had to go to the restroom. So I got up, and I was like 10 seats from the first class uh, restroom. I, we didn't sit in first class, but I was close. And the other one was like 50 seats back that way. And so we're all just kind of up and waiting. And so I look behind me and I'm like, man, I can't get to that one. Everybody's up. I can't get to the bathroom. And I look in front of me, there's no one up. I'm like, oh, I'm going there. Well, as I'm walking to that restroom, uh, one of the, the flight attendants steps in front of me and she's like, uh-uh. And I'm like, excuse me, I just need to go to the restroom. I'll, it won't take long. I'll be right back. She's like, nope, turn around. That's yours. And I'm like, Okay, on a mission trip, I'm a pastor, I love Jesus. I go get in line, I can't get through the line, I'm really frustrated and I really have to go now. So I go back to her and I'm like, hey, listen, I can't get through, I've tried. I mean, there's people everywhere and and I'm pretty bold in crowds so I don't have a problem navigating through crowds but I could not get through. And, uh, and she said, no, you got to go to that one. And I said, no, ma'am, you're going to take me to that one if that's the way you're going to be. Like, you got you to gotta make a way. I can't get through. So she takes me to the end of the line and turns around and walks off. And I'm like, you. <laughs> so I wait in line impatiently, obviously. Deal with whatever. Come back. On my way back, one of our staff members, Samuel Sadler, who's on the mission team now, he said, man, why don't you just go to that bathroom right there? And I said, what? He goes, yeah, I just got back from the first class bathroom. It's no big deal. Just go right there and just sit back down. And I said, where is she? And he goes, no, 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 no. I'm joking. I'm joking. Just sit down. It's fine. Dude, I was about to go off on that lady. Like, who do you think you are? Like, everything that comes out of us is the same. Like, what you... I was entitled to that bathroom. <laughs> I'm not exempt, okay? There are things in my life that sometimes I think I deserve. We all do, right? There's just some things in our life that sometimes we think we deserve. The problem with that is when we think that way, when we act that way, this is an abomination toward God. This is what it does. Listen, when when we covet something that is not ours, we offend God. We we tell him that his provision is not enough. Where you've put me isn't enough. What you've given me is not enough. This location isn't enough. God, you just don't know what's best for me. You are not enough. The other thing that happens is it's not far away from, when we covet, it's not far away from something that has to do with harming our neighbor. Think about stories in the Bible where we know people had coveted things. I'll give you a few. 
Think about Saul, King Saul, coveting King David's approval or affection by people and by God. He wanted so bad to be seen the way that David was seen that he was willing to kill him. Think about David and Bathsheba. David wound up murdering Bathsheba's husband because David thought he deserved Bathsheba. And there are other stories of something that started with desiring something that was not theirs and ended in the consequence of hurting someone else. And this is what, this is what it does, guys. When we covet something that's not ours, ultimately it leads us to a place, can lead us to a place, where we hurt someone else, which is also an offense against a holy God. When we covet, when we desire something that's not ours, we're telling Jesus that his salvation is not enough. Everything he's gone for, everything he's done, everything that he's accomplished on our behalf, it's just not enough. We insult the Son of God when we say that our salvation is not enough. When it's Jesus plus something, by the way, there's a whole book about that called Galatians. It's not Jesus plus something, it's Jesus alone. Psalm 1611 says this, listen to this verse. You reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. You might read that and go, what does that mean? Here's a question I have to ask, and I already gave you the answer earlier. Who is at the right hand of God? Very good. Jesus. And what this verse tells us is at God's right hand are eternal pleasures. That we don't need anything else. Coveting is like uh, it's like a gateway drug. Have you heard of that phrase before? Gateway drug. Like there are certain drugs that kind of introduce you into this idea of addiction and then they lead you to other ones that are heavier, more addictive things like, like marijuana is kind of a starter deal or whatever. And then it leads you to uh, something stronger like heroin or, or cocaine. It's a gateway drug. Coveting is a gateway sin. When you begin to covet, when you begin to desire something that's not your own, lust is not far behind. Neither is adultery, neither is murder, neither is theft. And these things promise the wrath of God. We have to take this seriously. We have to realize that our hearts are sick, but our hope is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That everything we could ever need, want, or desire is found in him. There is nothing else you need. Do you believe that? There is nothing else you need other than Jesus. Coveting invites the wrath of God. When we choose to covet and we all covet something, we offend a holy God. Coveting provokes the anger of God. Here's the last thing. Coveting has an antidote. <laughs> 
All hope is not lost. So we may all do it, and it may be a heart issue, and and it may offend God, but praise God, there is something that has been done about this, and his name is? The gospel of Jesus Christ is the remedy for coveting. The Bible says that all have sinned, all have coveted, all have desired their own glory. But while we were sinners, something happened. Do you know what it was? Jesus Christ died. You know, I've been on uh, several mission trips around the world. And every time I go somewhere, this is a verse that I make sure that I do not leave out. Romans 5, 8 says this, that God proves his own love for us, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And this is what I tell people, and I want you to hear this, is that we, we know that Jesus died on a cross, but do you realize that that cross is your cross? That's your cross. That's my cross. Jesus climbed on the cross that was meant for you and for me. And this is when he did it. I want you to think about this. That, that place, that, that situation, that experience, the, the worst thing that you've ever done in your life that maybe no one knows about. That, that thing that's dark, deep, and buried down inside that only you know about yourself. Well, guess what? Jesus knows about it. And the moment you did it, that's when he got on your cross. That's how much Jesus loves you. There's no thing that is too far gone. There's no person that is too sinful. Jesus died for you when you were at your worst. But while we were sinners, Christ died for us. The antidote is the gospel. This is why Paul can say to the Philippians in chapter four, verse 11, that I've learned to be content while he's in jail, probably naked and probably not eating. But he's content. This is why when we go around the world and we, and we see believers, followers of Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters who have never had electricity, they don't have running water, they don't have a flushing toilet, they just have a hole in the ground, but you would never know that they were lacking anything because they are full in Christ Jesus. But what do you need to be satisfied I think there's a few things that we can do to help battle this idea of coveting, this desire in our heart. The first is, is this. If you don't know Jesus, you'll never conquer it. So that's where we begin, right? The gospel is the beginning. But here's something I want you to think about. Gratitude uproots this idea of needing things. So, so consider the greatness of your own salvation. Think about it. Like, like I, I hear from people all the time, like, and this is my wife's story. My wife came to faith in Christ early as a kid, six or seven years old at VBS. Many of you would say that that's your story as well. And then, and then we say things like, it's just not a, it's not a pretty, like, you know, there's not a lot of details and I didn't go through some hard times and, and blah, blah, blah. And, 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 and listen, I want you to know that story is just as beautiful as any other salvation story. Like there are some of us who have seen the hardest parts of life who want that story, but that's not even the bigger deal. The bigger deal is we need to realize that the 30-year-old rapist, it costs the same to save him as it did the seven-year-old. The cost of sin is the same. It's death. The wages of sin is death. When we begin to 
stop celebrating our salvation, when we stop remembering how great a salvation we have, we stop expressing gratitude. And it opens the door for this idea of coveting. Here's the second thing that we need to be grateful for. And I think this was really, really pointed. We need to thank the Lord for what others have. Instead of looking at them and saying, I deserve that. Let's look at them and say, how good is God to them? Thank you, God, for how you've blessed my brother, my sister. Thank you for how you're providing for them. I think if we can posture our heart toward celebrating the provision of God for other people, it will begin to kill the root of coveting, kill the root of desire for other things. God has provided such a great salvation for you and for me. We must never forget that. Here's another thing I think we can do. Renew our minds. This is what Paul tells tells us in Romans 12. To renew our minds regularly. The Bible says that we are a new creation in Christ. That God is remaking us. He's reshaping, reforming. The only way, though, that those things really happen is through the power of God, but he's given us a few things that are pretty amazing to do that. One is the church. It's good to be around other people who love Jesus and who point us toward Christ. The other is the Bible, like getting in the Word and letting the Word get into you and allowing that to renew your mind. And another is praying, asking God to do for you what only He can do to change your desires and to teach you that He is all-sufficient, to teach you what it means to be content in Christ. Renew your mind. Salvation is not just a one-time, one-day thing where you pray to prayer and walk down an aisle. I pray to prayer and I walk down an aisle, but I learned that salvation is for every day. The gospel is for every day. It works in me every single day, renewing my spirit and my mind. Ezekiel 36 tells us that God takes our heart of stone and he replaces it with a a heart of flesh that that beats for him and the things of God. Allow God to renew your heart and your mind. Here's the last thing, and you probably knew this was coming, but um, here you go. (laughs) Live on mission. (laughs) I'm the missions pastor, I have to say that, right? Actually, I'm the missions pastor and I get to say that. Because the truth is, when we are laser focused on the mission of God, there's just not a whole lot of room for other things. Think about it. I mean, it's, it's very simple. What you fill your life with is what gets the most attention. You know, I, I can tell you honestly that when I'm on mission in other countries and other cities and other areas, I don't think about what I don't have as often. There's just not very many times on trips where, where I think about, man, if I had, if I, I wish I had... I just don't because we're so, we're so focused on, on being on mission together. Do you realize that God didn't just save you from something, but he saved you to something? Like this idea of salvation is, yes, we need to be rescued from our sin. But, but then when we are rescued, we, we realize we are restored to this understanding that Jesus is 
all sufficient in everything we need. So it's not just that, but we're rescued from our sin and now we're, we're satisfied in Christ and Christ alone. So much so that we want others to know that. Like it overflows in us. Our hearts are full of Jesus and we tell others about him. Some of us are like one of my children. I remember uh, they had the opportunity. They were asked to be the team captain of one of their, their sports teams. And uh, I took that opportunity to explain some responsibilities of the team captain to which it didn't take long. And that particular child said, no, thank you. We want all of the benefits, but none of the responsibility. But the truth is, when we understand how great a salvation we have been afforded, we realize that we don't have to do these things. We get to. That God has provided all that you and I need in Christ Jesus alone. So I have one question to ask you. Are you satisfied? Are you satisfied in Jesus? My prayer is today that you would walk out of here realizing that there's nothing else that you need other than Christ and Christ alone. Maybe you came today and it's just another Sunday for you or maybe this is your first time in church or whatever, but now you've realized that the you really need Jesus. Great news. He wants to make you whole. You know, King Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes that there's a God-shaped void in our spirit, in our soul, that only God can fill. And today, you can have that filled. You can be completely satisfied needing nothing if you'll simply turn from your sin and trust Jesus as Lord. If you're already a follower of Jesus, good news for you too. Repent. Turn from the things that you think or that you have believed that will satisfy and return to your first love, the only one who will, and his name is Jesus. Trust him all over again, every single day. You don't need anything else. So listen, we're going to sing another song here in just a minute. And if, if you've recognized and realized how great Jesus is, you should respond by singing. And can I just tell you, when, when I go to other countries and, and I see these people without and, and they realize what it truly means that they're free in Christ and, and they're jumping and screaming and celebrating. And, and listen, they're Baptists. And then I come back here and we're like, great is thy faithfulness. It's difficult, man. I, I, I really enjoy worshiping there. Now, listen, our worship's a little different here. We, we got it kicking. But I can't vouch for you out here. Maybe your response today is that you need to remember how great a salvation, and you need to worship the Lord Jesus for that. I can't imagine, though, having heard the word of God, that you can leave out of here the same. One of two choices, you either hear it, and allow God to work in you or you deny it and you walk away every single time. Father, thank you. Thank you that this great salvation that is afforded to us in Jesus is all satisfying. Your word promises that I, your right hand 
our pleasures forevermore. Not only do you rescue us from our sin, but you satisfy our hearts and our lives completely. May we be found satisfied in Jesus alone today. Father, if there are those that need to respond by faith in Christ or need to talk about baptism or whatever it might be, Lord, or would you give them the faith to come out and talk to one of us at the Connection Suite in just a moment? But God, you move in your people. I pray that you'll give them boldness, willingness, courage, faith to respond and trust in Jesus as the all-sufficient Savior. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you for joining us today with our church family here at Green Acres Baptist Church. And this invitation is for you. Maybe God is stirring in your heart right now from what you have heard. Maybe you need to give your life to Jesus. Maybe God is calling you right now for salvation. You know, the Bible is very clear that if we uh, confess with our mouth and if we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, the Bible says that you will be saved. And so right now you could pray a very simple prayer and just say, God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need you to come into my life and save me. If that's you today, we wanna help you and walk with you with this decision. Maybe for others of you, uh, maybe you've been saved, but maybe you've been waiting to get baptized. Uh, maybe you need to figure out what it means to be a member of our church here at Green Acres. Whatever that decision is, we want to come alongside you. And so do us a favor. You can fill out the Connect card at gabc.org, and one of our team members will be with you very shortly. Whatever it is that God has laid on your heart, we want to walk with you in your growth in Jesus Christ. I look forward to hearing from you soon.